On today's show, we break down the Leafs' loss to Buffalo, prompting a lineup shakeup from Sheldon Keefe at practice for tonight's game against Tampa. We'll fill you in on the latest there and preview that matchup with their three keys to victory. All that more coming up on today's edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morissuti. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Ah, uh, Dave, Dave, Dave. A weird weekend if you're a Leafs fan. Uh, they fall 6-4 to four to the Buffalo Sabres on home ice despite... Austin Matthews collecting another hat trick on the young season. Uh, but that's now what four straight losses for Toronto. It's that's there's just some concerns that are starting to creep up in the fan base, not loving the product they're seeing out there on the ice. Nor should they. It's been abysmal, especially at home. Like road games are tough, but they play better on the road than they have at home. And that to me is quite disgusting. Yeah, you score four goals on home ice, your superstar gets a hat-trick, you should win that game. Yes. You should 1,000% be able to win that game. Yeah, and like it wasn't like Devin Levi was lights out in this game. Like, Not even close. Four goals. You should be able to hold the Buffalo Sabres also to less than five goals. Who well, I might add were on the second night of a back-to-back as well, just to uh, kind of put a little salt in the wound. Dylan Cousins wasn't playing because he was hurt. In this game yeah. as well, yeah, like, he's a good player for them. And you, so uh, it's the same old story for this team. It's getting it's getting tiresome. I'm getting tired, Mike. I don't want to be tired. With well, so here's here's the thing. Like typically, you know, the, the narrative is out there now that okay, Toronto they get off to a slow start every year. This has kind of been the case since yeah. Sheldon Keefe took over. This has always been a bit of a slow October. Marner takes a bit to to get going. But then once he heats up, things start to change and this team starts to go off on a massive winning streak. And they usually have uh, like the best November. The last three years, they've had the best win percentage in November. Um, But so far, they're what, 0 for 2 now here in in November. Um, So that's that's not great. Obviously, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if that's supposed to be your bread and butter to start the season off, uh, you know, not not winning games in November. but yeah, I, I I think that when you talk about the game, and there are some good things that you could pull from it, I suppose. So let's get to the good, the bad, the ugly, and let's talk about some of the good things. Because uh, you got production from the top line; they carried that production that they had in Buffalo or in Boston, and they carried it into this game against the Sabers. Right? You had Mitch Marner scored uh, on a breakaway to open the scoring. He ended up with four points. He had. Uh, Matthews with another hat trick on the season. So, you know, you're getting some production from your big boys, and that's ultimately what this team needs. They just need other people to start producing now. Yeah, you get a, you get a, you know, Matthews' third hat trick of the season, all of them coming at home. He, yeah. he's one of that wants to score goals, 
at Scotiabank Arena right now. Yeah. And it's it's how they were scoring the goals too, right? You know, it wasn't through the power play. Remember, we were talking about how he was struggling to score a bit at, uh, at five on five. I think, I think he heard that one. And so he decided, okay, I'm going to see. Fine, I'll score on five on five. I'll show you guys. And he's been doing that. So, yeah, you get you get a hatchet from Austin Matthews. That's important. Mitch Marner also scores too, right? He's the one that's been needing to get the goals going. He's starting to feel it a little bit offensively. So you at least got that going for yourself because sometimes when the Leafs are losing or on these losing streaks, it's because their top players aren't producing. And that's not the yes. reason why they're losing right now. 100%. And I think they're also like 68 or 69% in the face-off draws. So after a, a tough night in Boston, they bounce back in the dot uh, with a very strong night in the face-off circle. Uh, so that, that was another thing that is is a positive going forward because that's that's part of the Leafs game, right? They want to play a possession game. And if you <laughs> to establish possession, the easiest way to do that, win the face-off and get the puck. Um, so good to see that happen against Buffalo. Uh, there's plenty more bad and ugly though in this game. So let's, let's get to those. Uh, what was something that was bad for you, uh, from this game out of the Maple Leafs? Oh, I mean the bad, probably the, I'm going to probably put that Tage Thompson goal where Marner decides to pass it to him. Uh, yeah. Tough. The, the shorty, the shorthanded goal. You, it wasn't like, like you, I think Mitch Mitch Marner called it a, a a bleep show. I believe was his his word for that play. Like one too, but like those are the goals that you know, like that were backbreakers. You get momentum. Like every time the Leafs tied, the Sabers were right back and they score. Right, I think uh, Matthew scores a goal. There's Jeff Skinner left open to just wire one that one for me was the worst like that 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 was my bad and it's not the fact that you allow you know a, a goal right after you tie it up like yes those response goals are tough you hate giving those up but for me this is this is going on to Sheldon Keith. this one here why the hell are you sending your fourth line out after tying it three to three against Jeff Skinner and against like that team's top play like it made no sense what no. Sheldon Keith did coming off of that goal uh you know you want to try and send out another offensively driven line to try and keep that momentum get the puck back get it in the offensive end and see if you can capitalize and score a couple of goals like Devin Levi is a very young goaltender you know maybe he you can shake him if you score a couple of quick ones on him um but no instead Keith decides to roll out the fourth line and just like has been happening all season long they get scored on and all of a sudden that, you know, you finally tie the game up and now you're trailing four, three again. Uh, and it was, it was just such a, a brutal decision by Sheldon Keith, brutal decision. It's like the worst part about that too, is that's the, that's the play that got LeJoie, I love what, or LeJoie taken out. He was out of the game because he let that mistake. He let Skinner get by him, but Sheldon Keith was the one that put him in that situation too. Like it was a double edged sword, double edged sword in a kind of way there, and so, yeah, like though you can't allow your t the other team to get momentum after, you know, after you have a pretty emotional goal, right? Like Austin Matthews was fired up. Usually, you try to get your good your good players on the ice after a goal, and I hate, right. I absolutely hate, yeah, when teams decide, and Keith does this many times. All right, fourth line. We're going to well, get you out there because we got some momentum now. 
But last year, the fourth line was at least defensively responsible. (laughs) They were defensively responsible and actually often were able to translate that into at least established, you know, ozone possession time. That hasn't been the case this year. They are consistently chased around the puck in their own end. I mean, we don't need to go into how badly this fourth line needs a shakeup, and it is getting a shakeup. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views and receipt, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the views from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without those hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. And they're obsessed with finding you the best way to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. With zone deals, you pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Turns apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. But I do want to ask you, Dave, because we haven't really touched on it on the show yet. Maybe this is our our chance to get into it just for a a quick moment here. But like, there's been a lot of like a rhetoric around the fan base kind of being at its wits end with Sheldon Keefe as the head coach of this Toronto Maple Leafs team. It was kind of coming in after that Boston game. And then it filtered in after this loss to the Buffalo Sabres. It continued. Like I, I sent out a tweet, I think on Friday, just asking people like, Hey, there seems to be a lot of, you know, traction around Leafs nation wanting to get rid of Sheldon Keefe. And I was curious, well, who, who do people, who would you guys prefer, Coach over Sheldon? And I got a list of a long list of names. It was it was oh, insane. Those names, long oh, list of names. Bruce Boudreaux. Like, are people being serious? Oh, I know, Brucey Boudreaux. They're throwing oh, out there. But like, go look at what happened in Vancouver. Go look at the Vancouver Canucks right now, the team that got rid of Bruce Boudreaux and are now the best team in Canada, yeah. playing for Rick Tockett right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say most people, though, just said, like, Guy Boucher take over. Like, that That was most people. There was a lot of Bruce Boudreaux. I would say that was number two. A lot of Gerard Gallant, which, eh, no. <laughs> Lots of Gerard Gallant, uh, who, again, Gerard Gallant, like, outside of taking Vegas to the to the cup final in his first year, um, I mean, he, he's, he's had success, but he's just never been able to actually finish the job. No. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's always the bridesmaids, never a bride, but I am curious, like what, where are you when it comes to Sheldon Keefe as the coach of this team? Like you think that he's safe for a little bit more here? Like how much longer of a leash do you think he has? I think he's going to have a bit more of a leash. But at the same time, I don't if I'm him, I'm not feeling comfortable right now just because, you know, the the whole team, like the team as a whole. 
looks discombobulated. There's something not working right here. It, it pains me to see, you know, when the Leafs are tied in the game, they have to feel like they have to hold on to the lead to go to overtime. Or defensively, I understand that the players he has to work with aren't great, but teams who have far less find ways to be a little more responsibly defensively. And that's this is nothing new. I know that they've made strides under Sheldon Keefe. I'm not saying yeah. they've always been a bad defensive team. But he's clearly struggling with the personnel he has right now. Well, yeah, the, he is, and he's struggling to try and find out ways to get Tyler, get the best of Tyler Bertuzzi, get the most out of Max Domi, get the most out of John Klingberg and Ryan Reeves, and you know everybody here. Even technically, Nyes is still very new to this team, and you got to figure out the way to best deploy him. Um, and again, he's he's trying. Like there are. This guy's throwing lines in a blender every single game. And, and some people think that could be a problem too. Like let, let these guys get a couple of games under their belt and work through some of the kinks. Don't be so quick to trigger to get, you know, uh, uh, you know, take someone off of a line or put some, you know, the blender doesn't need to come out at every period essentially is what people are saying. Well, I'll say two things to that one. You, like you hear Max Domi kind of talk about it, like, if you're getting concerned after 10 games and you shouldn't probably be in the NHL, right? If you're like getting concerned about you haven't done anything after 10 games, like I get that part. But what, what really irks me is it's the coach's job to figure out how to put his best, his players in the best positions to succeed. It's not hard to get Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares and Willie Nylander going. That's not really usually the work for the coach. It's getting, the rest of the team to be a cohesive unit. And that's where Sheldon Keefe is failing right now. That's on him, right? Yes. Players have to produce players have to perform, but he even said we gave Tyler Bertuzzi a simple thing to do and he couldn't do it. The coach has to take some blame for that. It can't all be on the player because clearly what you asked him to do, maybe wasn't what he should be doing. Well, if it, it, it's almost like a chicken or the egg type of conversation. It's like the coach, you know, you, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Like that's Sheldon keeps saying, look, this is the message that we have. This is the game plan. This is what you need to do in order to, you know, be successful. And if they're not willing to do that or they don't execute the way that, you know, it's intended to, I mean, what's Sheldon keeps supposed to do? Or if the message is just completely in one ear out the other, what, like, what's that supposed to do? And that's what happened with Babcock at the end of his tenure, where it's like the message isn't getting through. And sometimes that's when the coaching conversation does come into play, where it's like, the message isn't getting through and, and you know, guys aren't playing hard for, for you. Maybe that's when you do something. I don't think we're there yet. Let me say that. I do not think we're there yet. I still think Sheldon Keefe is a good coach. And I think Sheldon Keefe has good concepts and ideas and systems. I just think he needs to figure out, to your point, how to get these other guys involved. Like Most of these players have been in this program for a while, so they know what's going on. These yeah. new players... They're they're new here, right? And they play a different style. And I wonder if that's too something that's kind of like we maybe overlooked a little bit early, you know, earlier this offseason when they brought in guys with snot and they brought in these these other players who, you know, yes, more offensively driven and they should provide more secondary offense and depth. They don't have to rely on just the top four players. But the problem is offense is only 50% of the game. 
40% of the game, if you include special teams, obviously 40, 40, 20, but that's, I think maybe there's a bit of an identity crisis here with Toronto, where some of these new guys and even Sheldon Keefe, just not really sure what, what they're doing, what they're supposed to be like last year, that fourth line had an identity. Like that was a, a, a line that could defend. They could forecheck. There was a bit of speed there. What the hell is this fourth line got? Nothing because you got a mismatch of guys and Ryan Reeves, who's out there doing whatever. And they're just, they can't really get anything going, right? Pontus Holmberg's really struggling with Ryan Reeves and Noah Gregor on his wings. Like just can't really get anything going, right? There's, there's just not a lot of cohesiveness to your point. I think you look at the third line too. Like that's typically a defensive line. Max Domi's not a defensive player. Sorry to break it to you. So why he's being deployed in that kind of way is, is, you know, makes you scratch your head a little bit, but it's what Sheldon Keefe has. He's got to try and force, you know, these dudes into certain roles and it's taking a little bit longer than maybe we wanted to happen. But I'm, 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 Assuming that there will be a decently long leash, uh, I don't think he gets fired in the year 2023. Even if they are like 500 by 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 you know American Thanksgiving, which is typically like that time where things start to happen, I still think that he'll get an opportunity to to right the ship here. Maybe Christmas time if they're still like 500 and and they're not seeing any signs, then maybe that's uh, you might want to do something there to shake things up, but. Um, I'm not quite on, on the fire Keith train just yet, but he certainly shouldn't be comfortable. I'd say he's, he's, it's a warm seat right now for Sheldon. It's not hot yet, but it's definitely warm. Yeah. And it should be like the coach, like we knew that going into this year, his position wasn't comfortable. Yeah. There was no, yeah. like they can say what they want. Bradshaw can say what he wants. The the it was already being said during the offseason like he shouldn't feel a hundred percent safe with his spot right now. So yeah, like I mean, just because he signed an extension doesn't mean anything. Like <laughs> he really had like a big zillion years left on his deal but when he got fired. Don't think the Leafs are yeah. afraid to pull the trigger on <laughs> on a firing because of how much time contract the coach has left. Yeah, like Babcock's contract just came off the books this season. Uh, all right, really quickly, Dave, the ugly. We, we ended up going on tangent about Sheldon Keefe there during the good, the bad, the ugly. But the ugly for me, like John Klingberg just had an ugly game. And, and again, we're going back to the new guys who came in and they're still trying to figure out how to play and what positions and what role they should be in. But I tell you, John Klingberg should not be playing 25 minutes a night, played 25 minutes and four seconds. I understand they're in a position where injuries are starting to really pile up here, right? There's no Jake McCabe. There was no Timothy Lilligren who plays the right side. And then, you know, like LeJoie, you weren't going to go and play him 20 minutes a night. So out of necessity, you kind of end up playing Klingberg a lot, plays on the top power play, which also, you know, picks up. You get like six minutes in, in power play time. Uh, but a dash three, Dave, in this game, registered as one shot on goal. At five on five, 21% expected goals. He was outshot 14 to five when on the ice, gave up 12 scoring chances, seven of which being of the high danger variety. And he's a dude right now when it comes to um high danger chances given up per 60 minutes he's in the top 12 like he's just giving up consistently giving up high grade scoring chances 
And this is a dude who plays over 20 minutes a night for Toronto. That's not, that can't be happening. He's got to figure it out. He has to figure it out. Yeah, he has to because there's no, it's on him, right? Like he's a guy that's playing a significant role. Probably, again, too much of a significant role, but you're a defenseman, right? You're so, like, defense is part of your role. It's part of your title. <laughs> he should. I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, and, uh, like, not only is he costing the Leafs in a big way, he's costing himself. Like, this is a contract year for this guy. Ain't no team gonna be Dave, Dave, Dave. It was a contract year last year, and he was this bad. Like yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Dollars, that's the problem. People for, I think people forgot how poor John Klingberg was last season. And everyone just assumed, oh, Klingberg, the guy in Dallas, who's a 50 point defenseman, number one guy, played 25 plus minutes. And I, like everyone thought that that was the Klingberg that was coming to Toronto. That's not the case. This dude fell off a cliff last year and he just continues to tumble. Um, but he still ended up with a $4 million contract from Toronto after playing so poor last year. I think he had like a 44% expected goals last season deployed in a very offensively driven role. Uh, I know he played with Anaheim, but even when he was with uh, Minnesota, it wasn't great after he got traded at the deadline. So, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think he's a very good defenseman anymore. Like, he's just the last two seasons, he's really been in a de- decline. And um, I, I think that it's just going to continue, to be quite honest with you, which is not good news for Toronto, he certainly is not a guy who you can afford to be playing 25 minutes a night. That's for certainty. Uh, what was ugly for you? Uh, I mean, it was the the lack of defensive effort. But actually more ugly is Sheldon Keefe says, ah, they look like a tired blue line out there. Well, guess what? Who tells them how many minutes they play a night, Sheldon? Yeah. But I understand that he's dealing with two guys out of the lineup that are regulars. Find ways to make it work, man. I, I like John Klingberg play too much. Mark Giordano play too much. Morgan Riley play too much. You have to go. You have to roll with six guys. Otherwise, you can't complain that your other guys are tired. I'm sorry, but that was like when I heard that, I said that's a stupid comment because nobody. These guys aren't throwing themselves over the boards without your permission. It's on the coaching staff to dictate how many minutes a guy's play. They play. They got the analytics, Tom. All right, this is how long their shifts are. This is how long they they play through each period. It is on. It's on the coaching staff in that regard. And the worst thing to do when your defense is struggling is to burden them with a heavy workload. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but. You know, injuries play a role and it kind of changes, you know, what your game plan's going to be, right? Like, I think the old Mike Tyson is your game plan changes the second you get punched in the mouth. And, uh, you know, the Leafs, they've gotten punched in the mouth by a couple of big injuries. And it's kind of changed how they've had to go uh, go about some things so far this season. Uh, but we'll leave this game in the rear, as I'm sure the Maple Leafs want to do. Let's come back and get into tonight's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll tell you guys about all of the changes that have been made to this struggling lineup as they try to erase a four-game 
losing streak. And before we get into all that, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors. And that's our good friends over at FanDuel. Score early this NHL season with FanDuel. It's North America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet on the NFL. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Dave, I'm taking a look at tomorrow's game right now just to see what the line is. Maple Leafs favored on the money line at minus 152. The over-under uh, leaning towards the over of six and a half. So looks like the books might be expecting a bit of a high-scoring affair, but Toronto should be able to win that game. You can make those wagers if you like. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NHL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the Locked On Network. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Uh, all right, so Leafs Lightning Part 2. Second matchup between these two teams so far this season. Toronto beating the Bolts a couple of weeks back. 4-3 overtime win. That was that big comeback effort where Matthew Nice came to life with a couple of goals. Uh, probably also Max Domi's uh, biggest game. Uh, but they're currently marred in a four-game losing streak. That is something that the Leafs certainly uh, did not anticipate being in, and they want to get themselves out of it as soon as possible. So uh, as you know, Coach Sheldon Keith likes to do, likes to put the lines in a blender, and he's done it once again going into tonight's game. So why don't we pull up the lineup for today, what we saw in practice, the expected lines for uh, tonight's game against the Lightning. So Matthew Nyes moving up to the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, Bertuzzi, Tavares, and Nylander on the second line. Max Domi moving into the center of the ice with Holmberg and Yarncroft as his wingers. And then Camp back down to the fourth line, Noah Gregor and Ryan Reeves as his wingers there. You got Riley Brody. Still unsure what the defense is going to look like. Uh, McCabe did return to practice today, but Giordano was not at practice for a maintenance day, a rest day, as it was, uh, as we were told by Sheldon Keefe. Uh, so unsure what the defense will officially look like. But McCabe was practicing Klingberg today, and then Lagason with uh, Simon Benoit and Max Lejoie. So um, what do you make of, uh, we'll start up, up front, which is, I guess, more of the. Um, intriguing things about the switch up here. What do you make of Matthew Nice? first of all, being bumped up to the top line? Yeah, I think Matthew Nice needs to be playing in the top six. Like, mm -hmm. I watch him play and he should be, he's, I think, someone that can help. Well, I mean, these guys aren't having an issue scoring, but I think he can bring a bit of that intensity that I think we need to see in the top six and playing with Marner and Matthews, I think, will help unlock a little bit more of his offensive potential as well because he can he i think he's his style suits marner and matthews right we've been talking about how they've been revolving guys on left wing first it was bertuzzi then it was yarn croak now i think matthew nyes we saw in the playoffs that trio does work well i do want to see matthew nice play a little more physically like he's a he's he's an aggressive player but we haven't really seen him lay hits i actually had one of our uh one of our viewers reach out to me and kind of say yeah, you know, I think these guys, I think Matthew Nice, when I watched him in college, was more of a physical guy, could hit a bit, you could stand to hit a bit more. So yeah, I think, well, I think dude, like 6'3, yeah. 215. 
big dude. Yeah, he should be using that to his advantage a bit more. So, like Bertuzzi, they've tried him with Tavares and Nylander. I want to see them try to get that going. He's got it going. The third line, I don't mind Max Domi there because clearly Yarncroke's not going to play center and Holmberg just can't do it right now. And Domi could. At least Yarncroke could, but. But they just don't. This is something they never really wanted to try. Unfortunately, I, I think Domi obviously being good at the faceoffs, he brings that speed element down the middle. Maybe that gets him going offensively a little bit too. He did say that when you play in the center, that kind of a lock unlocks things offensively a bit. We'll see. Yeah, I, I have a quote here from Sheldon Keith about uh, putting Domi into the middle of the ice. Uh, so Keith said, uh, "quote For us, it's it's seeing if." Uh, getting the puck in the middle of the ice offensively can help push that line. Obviously having a little more offensive push to the line itself and getting him unlocked as an offensive driver of the group would be an important thing for us. So it's really about that in response to having Domi um, playing and moving to the center ice position. Yeah, I, I think I do think that they, they, you know, you did say that usually the third line is your more defensively responsible line. But I do think you also need to show that you're going to be a threat offensively, right? You're not going to be, you have to have, you have like the bottom six just hasn't brought the offense. They have to, right? They can't just be expected to, yeah, you throw them out in defensive situations. That's what their main title is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But we've seen with other teams playing against the Leafs, the bottom six finds ways to be dangerous by having that offensive instinct as well. And I think Domi will hopefully start to bring more of it because they need it. Yeah. I still like, I'm looking at the four groupings and for the life of me, I'm looking, I'm like, who is going to be like the matchup line? Like who are you sending against Kucherov and and point? Like who's going to go and shut those guys down? I, 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 they've spread everyone else out and they don't really have a defensive. They just, it's so bizarre. They, they, we knew this was the case. They decided that they were going to add so much more offense this off season and toughness, I suppose, where they did that at the expense of just solid defensive play. Like flat out, that seems to be what's kind of gone on here with this team. And through the first 10 games, very evident that that's exactly what's happened. Um, and again, is this just simply trying to learn the systems and the players just trying to mesh and, and figure things out potentially, you know, I, I could see in, in 10, 15 games, maybe things look a little different, look better, but so far I, I still am just searching saying, who's the shutdown line They're, They don't really have a matchup line out there. Like Marner Matthews and nice, I guess it, it, like that to me is probably the most, defensively responsible line out there marner matthews and nice but you're gonna you would think you would want them having a lot of ozone time ozone face-offs um but i don't i'm not i'm not the coach i don't get paid millions of dollars to coach this team uh defensively um jake mccabe a game time decision i guess is probably what he's going to be at this point he did practice today uh alongside john klingberg puke gross uh, if that is once again going to be a pairing. Um, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening there if he does play tonight. Uh, Giordano was not at practice, but is expected to play. It was considered a uh, 
maintenance day for him. Uh, unsure who the starter in net is going to be. I don't believe he said who was going to start, but I would imagine they go back to Samsonov. Yeah, I think so. It's a rotation. He it's so funny. It's so funny how things change within a week and a half, right? Within two weeks. Like everyone was in our mentions and talk on the comment section. No, there's no competition. There's no controversy. Wall's the guy. Wall's the guy. Is Wall the guy still? Is he still the guy after a couple of leaky games here? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. But at the same time, one game from Samsonov doesn't change the fact that he hasn't been great. No, either. no. And I've always said it's. It's still a 1A, 1B type of thing here, but I'm just Wall was never the guy after three starts. We're asking these goalies to be band-aids for this blue line. Unfortunately, they don't need band-aids. They need like full out gauze wrapping all over mm-hmm. these massive mm-hmm. wounds that need stitches, not band-aids. Yeah, yeah. Stitches. Gauze and then stitches. That's what they need. All right, Dave. Um Three keys to victory tonight. What is one of the keys Toronto needs to do to make sure they come away with the full two points here against the Lightning? Well, you're going to have to figure out a way to stop this Tampa offense because they lit up the Senators for six goals. Yeah, they did. Who, though? Who, Dave? Who's going to stop that offense? That's the thing. you got to figure out. Brain Point had a hat trick. Kucherov had five points. That's wow. that's fun. Wow. That's going to be that's yeah. gonna be. You know, granted, the Senators were not very good, and they're also dealing with injuries, and their goaltending was shaky. But mm-hmm. Tampa's gonna Tampa smells blood right now in the Atlantic, and they're gonna feast. Yeah. So uh, one of the this goes to it. One of my keys for tonight is is battling for the middle of the ice. Um, I think Toronto. You look at the way that uh, they have to defend tonight. They have to make sure they keep pucks out of the middle of the ice. I was looking at um. Oh, geez. What's her name? Megan Cheka uh, from Stat. She's the owner of Stathletes and, and does some analytic work with TSN. And she put out some statistics earlier today I saw on Twitter. And at the top of a lot of these, like, playmaking stats, I guess we'll say. So it was like uh, passes into the slot, passes across the ice, those types of plays. Kucherov was at the number one, was number one in those plays made. Uh, in the NHL. So taking away that, not allowing Kucherov to just sauce pucks across the ice uh, for his teammates and not allowing him to get pucks into those areas, into those high danger areas inside the house. I think that uh, needs to be a key. Make sure that you, you know, win the middle ice. You don't allow guys getting in there first and foremost, if you can, which is tough to do against Tampa, but when pucks are getting funneled towards there or through there, be active with those sticks, knock them down, send them away. That that's going to be a, a key, I think, to stopping this Tampa Bay offense. They like to do a lot of puck movement. They're quick. They're fast with it. Stop it once it's going through the ice, uh, you know, through the middle of the ice. There, that's that's one key for me. What's another for you? Well, I I mean, as good as the offense has been for the Lightning, they're still letting in a lot of goals. They don't mm. like up in that game, and the centers were making a bit of a comeback. They lost to the Blue Jackets. I think Erica Branson scored in that game. He so, did. Got uh, he. They also lost to the Kraken. They've been allowing four or more goals in the last three games, which means their goaltending hasn't exactly been great. And in that game, the Leafs came back. They found a bit of a book on Johansson. Now, I don't know if Johansson is going to be the one playing in this game, most likely. 
but get the puck up on this guy, right? You got to get the shots up high. Nice, both goals. He said, I had, I, my goal was to raise it, right? Yes. You got the book is kind of out on the goaltending a bit for the Lightning. Take advantage of the fact that you're going to have some of these games without Andre Vasilevsky. You pick up these wins when they're available to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're talking about a team defensively uh, where I'm looking at it right now. They either give up three plus goals a game or they get shutouts. There's no in between when it comes to uh, their game so far. Like their last four games here, the last we'll look at their last six games. They've given up four. They've given up four. They've given up four. Shut out. Shut out. Given up four. Like that's it's either they're going to get allow four goals against or they're just going to completely shut you out and dominate. Uh, I don't see that one happening against Toronto. So uh, potentially over three and a half total Leafs goals could be a, a little a little wager you might want to throw down tonight. But yeah, so definitely take advantage offensively. And and I mean, they're allowing a lot of shots on goal. I think I was looking in their what's uh, fourth in the NHL allowed 34 shots uh yeah 34 shots a night um which is 28th yeah 28th in the nhl should be like fourth or fifth most that they allow um so definitely make sure if you're toronto keep funneling stuff to the net and uh, good things should be able to happen for you uh my last key for tonight as well is is you know make sure that you are winning the special teams battle Right, like I think special teams going to come in clutch. Like these two teams, despite Vasilevsky being gone, like this is still a rivalry game. It's going to be pay, played hard. It's going to be played tight. Um, you know, and I think special teams will be a factor. Whether it's you know a late power play goal or whatever it may be, you know, Tampa they got a solid power play, third in the NHL, thirty percent success rate. The Leafs penalty kill. Not anywhere near being third in the NHL, 24th in the league, and they're killing off just 75%. So they got to step up for sure and then obviously convert when they get their opportunities. I think special teams is is a big, big, um, could be, you know, where the advantage goes with these two teams. So for me, special teams is another key. Uh, one last one from you, Dave, and then we'll we'll wrap it up for today. Don't beat yourselves. <laughs> it's a, like the Leafs have been beating themselves far too often because – the game teams just attack them and they go into this retreat mode. Yeah. And when they get into that retreat mode, they, they put themselves in bad positions and they get beat far too often. Right. You know, whether it's a bad pinch, whether it's, you know, you're taking a shot from the point and it goes off a guy's skate and you let him go to the up and then score. I'm, I'm pointing to maybe someone named John Mingberg. Oh, right. Did that happen? Did, is, is that a play that you, is that, that that happened recently? I don't. It just seems like a vivid memory yeah. here. So yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe so don't, don't do that. Don't, don't when do you're that. on the power play, and if Nikita Kucherov's on the ice or Braden Point, don't pass it into their skates. Get it yeah. to your own. Place. Also, Mitch Marner too. By the way, if you're trying a little nifty behind the back pass thing, make sure you get it to your player, not you know Nick Paul who or Braden Point who will definitely be on you like what on rice. Yeah. Just a couple of, couple of keys for those two. Individuals. If you're going to lose to a team, let them work for it a little bit. Don't give it to them. Yeah. And, and look, this is a team too, and this is why when we say, like, make sure that they convert on these opportunities, Tampa's been terrible defensively. Like, we, we talked about this originally when the injury came to Vasilevsky. It was like, 
you look at expected goals last year, Tampa was very much middle of the pack. Like that guy had saved 25 goals above expectation last year. You put in a below average goaltender like Jonas Johansson or Thomas Tompkins or whatever the hell his name is, Matt, Matt Tompkins. Um, it's not going to go pretty for this team. And, and that's exactly been the case. They're uh, sixth in the NHL in expected goals against right now. So, uh, are they giving up the sixth most expected goals per game? So Toronto, if they can make sure that they are generating the chances that they typically have been doing and have had a you know really solid numbers in that regard, the underlying numbers have been there, they should be able to win this game hands down. They're just the better team, flat out. The Leafs are the better team right now with the Lightning without Andre Vasilevsky and a very weak defensive unit. They just flat out are. They don't always show it, though. They get amnesia and they forget. And then they randomly remember for two minutes, tie a game, and sometimes they win it, sometimes they lose it. But hopefully tonight can be the first 60-minute effort because they've yet to do one. Yeah. All right, buddy. Let's uh, let's call that one a show. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on X at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, leave a like if you enjoyed this video. That'd be greatly appreciated. Leave us a comment down below too. What are your thoughts? on the Sheldon Keefe situation. Are you Team Keefe? You think you should be given a longer leash? Are you done? Do they need a new voice? Is that what Toronto needs to get back in to the wing column and going in the right direction? Let us know in the comment section down below. All right, we'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. We'll recap Leafs, Bolts. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked on Leafs.